Okay, if you've got a Bible, would you like to turn to Romans chapter 8 and verses 25 to 27? Um, what I'm going to do this morning is that if you are a visitor, we're on a series uh, where we're looking at uh, the, the subject of the Holy Spirit, and uh, this is just one of those. So we're looking at the subject of the help of the Holy Spirit. And with the help of the Holy Spirit this morning, um, I want to just at some point flee from my notes, if I may. And if I can, Steve, what I'll do at that point is that I'll ask whether I can just uh, ask that the tape is just turned off. And I just want to, just for a period of time, just be honest with you as a group of people, um, just being together as family. So just, uh, just to tell you that's the way that I'm going. Uh, Phil asked me what you're going to do at the end. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, and I don't know whether I will stick wholly to my notes, but I will begin with them. Um, so, okay. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 25 to 27. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what, we, uh, what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let me just start off with some very basics so that we just set a scene. Uh, Christianity actually is the only religion that affirms that there is one and only one true God and that there are three divine persons in the one God. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. This is called the doctrine of the Trinity or the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Uh, the church didn't come to embrace uh, this doctrine because uh, you can turn to this scripture and find it. There isn't a scripture that does that. Uh, but it is that the Bible points out that there is one God existing as three persons equal in divine essence. Wow. But they are distinct in their person. And that's very important that we know that. Rather than, the re rather than uh, try and explain that, um, I just want to put that out. The Bible unswervingly speaks of this one true God and uh, not three gods. And yet it, we find that throughout Scripture that the Father is revealed the Son is revealed and the Holy Spirit are revealed as God, but yet amazingly distinct. And one of those places where the person of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, uh, is revealed is in Romans chapter 8. We're actually going to look at Romans chapter 8 a little bit later on uh, in regard to adoption as sons. But what emerges in this chapter is that the Spirit is not some sort of force or power uh, that God sends just as sort of, this is my force, but as a person 
who works alongside the Son and the Father and is in relationship with them and in relationship with us. It is the extraordinary thing. And I want to just go over in those chapters, Romans chapter 8, you can begin to get an idea of the work of the Spirit, how, how that works in re- relation to the Trinity, and also how it works in relation to us. So if you look at verse 2, you'll find out that it says, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. There's a spirit work that occurs. It isn't just a theological nous. It isn't just knowledge. There's a work of the Spirit that sets you free. It's what happens. You can tell how much you're free by how much the Spirit works in you and actually how, how much you feel free. It isn't just that you know these things. The Spirit wants to work in you to set you free. Spirit, verse 4. Spirit helps you to fulfill the just requirements of the law. Verse 6. The Spirit gives you life and peace. Oh, well, I like that one. Verse 11. God will raise you from the dead by the Spirit who dwells in you. Your resurrection day will be a day of the Spirit. So it will be. It isn't, okay, the Spirit's work's finished now. No, it isn't like that. It's, it's an eternal thing. Spirit was, big, it was there in the beginning, before the beginning, right the way through. When we're raised, it will be a work of the Spirit in us. Get used to it. Verse 13, the Spirit helps you to put to death the deeds of the body. It isn't just the mortification of the flesh. Mortify the flesh. How do you do that? You don't. You know you should, but you fail, don't you? Come on, be honest with me. You know that you should put sin to death. You all know what you are doing wrong. It isn't that we just point out you are wrong. It's like, how can I do this? The Spirit helps you. The Spirit helps you to put to death what you can't put to death. It's quite simple. You know you should... Okay, we do it. I mustn't preach these ones, though, because this is my introduction. Verse 14... The sons of God are led by the Spirit. Don't you love that? The way the Spirit works with us is what? He whacks you over the head until you do what you're told. No. The sons of God are led by the Spirit. The Spirit brings that sonship to you and leads you as a son. Wow. Verse 15 and 16. The Spirit bears witness that we are the children of God and so gives assurance for our salvation. Verse 15. Boy, do we need a bucket load of that one. Don't we? Oh, dear. Verse 23. The Holy Spirit is a foretaste and a guarantee of our final redemption. The Spirit confirms in us. It's that sort of thing when we get a glimpse of heaven and you go, well, hey, it's the Spirit working in you. The Spirit is showing you. And then into our verses, verses 26. 
where the Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray as we should. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So back to verse 26 then. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The, the word likewise at the beginning of 26 just simply means this, that Paul has been giving help to the church and he's been advising them. He's been, he's been saying some things to them. He's been explaining how he can help them. He's sort of saying, now you should do this and you should do that. You see that? It's in the grace passages of, of, uh, of, of uh, Romans chapter 7. And he comes through to this and then he says, but that's not all. Likewise, the, the Spirit will help you. The Spirit will help you. That's what those verses are about. And all of verses 18 to 25 are reasons why we should hold on to two things. The, 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 the words of Paul and we should hold on to the Spirit's help. Because it's described in those passages that we have to live in a world of a, that is fallen. And we need the Spirit's help just to live here. Do we not? Thank you. And it describes things like futility. Now there's a word. How many of us have thought, this is just futile. We live in this. It sort of says, you know, that sort of, I have this problem of being married. It's a good problem, Patty and Tom. But sometimes what happens is that I get in the car and Callie explains to me her day. So I, I pick her up from work and, and I say to Callie, how's your day been? And we can get home, get changed, have a cup of coffee and be preparing for dinner and Callie's still going. And one of the words is something like, I don't know quite why I bother. It's futile. And some of you are going, yes, I know this thing. It tells us that we live with the consequence of bondage and decay. It talks about groaning and death. And we live in this sort of age. So we need the Spirit's help. That's why Paul says, okay, you need to listen what I say, but also you need the Spirit's help to live. So we have to do the stuff, guys. We have to be obedient to Scripture, but also we need the Spirit's help. That's what Paul is saying. And I want to look this morning at how the Spirit helps us in our weakness, particularly in the area of praying. So... What does the Holy Spirit pray for us? I want you to notice that it's there for us in the passage. So if you see the passage, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what, we, what, uh, what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So what does the Spirit ask for when he intercedes for us? Well, it's all there. One. It says that the Spirit asks for things that we do not know what we should ask for. Been in that one? <laughs> I don't know what to pray about this. That's my life summed up in one. Really? 
There is verse 26. Here it is. We do not know how to pray. Yeah? It's just simple, isn't it? It's in the Bible, by the way. Two. Two. It says, the Spirit asks for things that we do not know to ask for because of our weaknesses. Verse 26. The Spirit helps us. In what? Our weakness. It acknowledges that the Spirit acknowledges that we are weak and intervenes on our behalf. It goes, they're in a mess and they haven't got a clue. I'll help. Fantastic. That's me again. Three, it says, the Spirit asks for things that are in accordance with the will of God. Verse 27, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He's doing that. How can he do that? Because he is part of the Trinity. He knows the will of God. He knows what is best to pray for you. You, me, we don't often know what is best to pray for ourselves. Still praying for the set of drums. Never had it. Because it was not the will of God. I'm not bitter about it. I am. Now, think about what those three things imply. When it says the Spirit prays for things that we don't know what to pray for, that rules out an awful lot of things. Because there are things that we should know what we pray for. We've been singing about being holy. The command is, be holy because I am holy. So you know that we should be being holy. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, we've been talking about hope and joy and, you know, uh, Tim spoke about last week the fruits of the Spirit. Those are not up for options, by the way. Those are things that we should be doing. We should be saying, Lord, help me to be gentle. Help me to be long-suffering. Those are things that we don't need to say, now, Lord, do you think I should be patient? It's not up for options. Yes, you should get praying about it. It's the will of God for you. What do you think about that? Those are the things that you should... Should you love your neighbour as yourself? Yes. It's not an option. Yes, you should love your neighbour as yourself. There are so many things that are in Scripture that we know what we should do. Every commandment that that is given in the Bible, those are the things that we do. We should do those things. So it is just there. So growth, maturity, salvation, provision, just... Pray constructively about those things. That is called the revealed will of God. That's what that doctrine is. The revealed will of God you, I'm hoping, have no problems about. Don't lie to me. (laughs) But you shouldn't have a load of problems. You should be saying, these are what I should be, therefore. God has told me plainly in the Bible, therefore... I should do it. Now, I want you to tell me, Uncle Nigel, that you are all doing the revealed will of God. Don't look at the floor. Can we agree then that you, we all should be doing the revealed will of God? Fantastic. Don't nod so vigorously on the back row because I'm going to come and check you on that one afterwards. Okay. So what don't we know what to pray for? This text says that the Spirit helps us by praying when we don't know what to pray for. So what's that? 
What sort of things don't we know what to pray for? What are we not sure about? Well, let's do the contextual thing first. Always put it in the context of what the the verse is about. Verse 26 gives us the context. It tells us that we don't know what to pray when we are in an area of weakness. Verse 26. Weakness is the key area. And Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, what sort of weaknesses are we living in? What sort of things can we put in the category of weakness? The word weakness in the New Testament, and and the one used here, can be given to different things and applies to all. So, if I can just read from my notes in the New Testament... Uh, It could be weakness owing to our limited human nature. Whatever that might be. I feel limited about this. I feel in myself personally weak about this situation. That's Romans 6.19. We haven't got time. Or weakness owing to sickness. I I am just weak. You find that in Luke 5.15. Or weakness... Uh, owing to adversity, adversity, so that's 2 Corinthians 12. But if you consider the context, which is verses 18 uh, to 25, the, the weakness is, is felt not only because of those things, but because we are living in a world that is fallen and described as futile. It, and futile is a word that is linked with frustration, you see, everything around us is not, uh, is, seems to be unable to attain the things that it appears that it was made for. Therefore, there is frustration. Humanity's fall has marred everything. So I'm feeling these personal things, but it is in the context of a frustration because the world is marred and fallen. And that leaves me almost double weak, if that makes sense. I'm sort of doubly weak. I am feeling these personal things in the context of this weak world that we live in. And it sort of, it can kind of spiral you down. Not only am I feeling these things, but everywhere I look out seems to let me down in some way, shape or form. In fact, it's described in these verses, in verse 23, it says, we groan inwardly as we, uh, as we eagerly wait for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So it sort of almost is one of those, no, I, you know, I feel these things. And I'm living like this. Uh, and there's a, there's a groan, there's, a, there's an agony of, that comes in almost... It just gets us, doesn't it? I know some of you have groaned, haven't you? Just, oh, just groaned with it. So in verse 20, 18 to 25, Paul's helping the groaning saints <laughs> by holding out hope to them and saying to them, there is, you, yes, you can wait for the redemption of your bodies, but also there is the Spirit's help. Because the problem is that that was the way that I was taught. Live with the groaning, Nigel. You'll get a new body one day. The world will be... That's not right. 
It's wrong. Paul's saying, yes, you will get an, a body. Yes, you will have a redemptive body. Yes, the world will be changed. But also, while you're here, there's the Spirit's help. That's the tension that we've got to live with. And I feel sometimes a little bit that my background sort of said, love it and live it because you get a new body. That's not what the Apostle Paul... He's saying, look, you've got a groaning situation, you've got a groaning body, but likewise the Spirit will help you. I love that. It does not mean... It means that I'm a son. I am not abandoned. I'm a son. My father will help me. It isn't, yeah, your dad will turn up at the end of the day. I once experienced that, you know. I, I don't know. Well, I, I used to play football reasonably well. I could kick the round thing straight. Um, and my father worked late. And he, he often worked late. He was a grocer, just a corner shop. That was how he was. And, and he, I thought that what I experienced was like this. that I, It was like waiting for the redemption of your body. And he asked his boss whether he could go because I was playing in a football match, a, quite an important football match. And my, my boss wouldn't let my dad go. And at this point, believe it or not, I, the little guy that I, I was, I was playing in goal. And because you're playing in goal, on occasions when the ball's up that way, you get to look around. And actually, all that I wanted to see was my dad. I just wanted him to look like the, you know, the, 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 look, just look at your son for a while. He's all in green. Do you remember those days when everyone's all in green, got the big things on this sort of stuff? I just want him to see my dad. When the whistle blew, my dad turned up. And it felt like this. It really did feel... And I thought, this is what Evan's going to be like. I've got to go through the football match, and when the whistle blows, my dad will come. And do you know, people live like that right now. They think that when the whistle blows, your dad comes to take you back. Rubbish, folks. Come on. The Spirit helps you to live with all the tension that you have got to live with. And we need to know that, whether it's sickness or futility or frustration or misery, we should not be just waiting for heaven. We should be, but we should be empowered by the Spirit to live. Wants you to live. The Spirit wants you to live. Do you hear this? wants you to live. That's his desire. We're going to get personal in a little while. And I just don't know how I'm going to cope, so please bear with me. Do I want to follow me notes for this? No. Let's just stuff me notes. I've turned the page, Denzel, for Dorothy. I've just turned the page where it says, will my husband. So you might have to flick that over, Denzel. How does this work out practically? It works out things like this. Will my husband get saved? Those are the questions, aren't they? Will I get married? Why did those things happen to me? Why is this person having a baby when I cannot? Why did I lose that child? Why is my cancer not healed when his is? Why is my wife so sick and yours is not? Why is that church doing so well and ours is not? Why do I have to work in this job, in this environment? Why are my work colleagues like they are towards me? Why does God provide for one and not notice my need? Here's the bottom line. That's why we need the Spirit's help. The Spirit's help is that we live in the tension of huge questions. 
sometimes those situations will not change. And because they don't change, we need the Spirit's help. Can you turn the tape off, Steve? And he was put in prison for, for his conscience' sake. He could have not gone had he not agree, had he sort of said, "No, I won't preach the gospel." But he had a very sick wife. His his wife was not the strongest of people. So one would have said, pastoral advice, don't preach the gospel, John. Look after your wife. He had four children. And in his four children, one of them was blind. Pastoral advice, don't preach the gospel, John. Look after your wife and your blind child. Stay out of prison. We all have an opinion on this, don't we? There are 60 opinions in this room right now. (laughs) John, I'm preaching the gospel. Police officer, you're arrested. Creates all sorts of perplexity, doesn't it? What? We've all got an opinion on it. I've noticed one of the things of the having leaders' meetings is that they've always got better opinions than you. <laughs> People sort of... It's interesting, just sharing with you really honestly now, that it's always... What I find is that it's very difficult for, to find somebody that will stand with you because what they want to do is tell you how to do your job. I, I, I don't need somebody to tell me... I do need to be accountable... But you know, sometimes I'd just like you to love me, full stop, and not tell me how to do my job, I I think. (laughs) Because I know what I think, and I think I'm doing badly, frankly. And that's what happens to people like John Bunyan. That John Bunyan comes and people try and tell him what you should do in this situation. Should you love your wife, your child, whatever? And he makes the decision. We've all got an opinion. John Bunyan was just looking for people that would stand with him. And he was looking for the Spirit's help in what he was doing. Because he wrote a, a book <laughs> called Advice to Sufferers. And he explained, he said, and in it he tries to just capture the, where am I, the perplexity and the uncertainty that we face and how that the big why question is just so, so full of tension and how you know, there is no right and wrong and this and how, how there were many counsellors when he just wanted somebody to come and pray with him. Just come and pray with me. Come and buy me a pint of... Well, I suppose he couldn't say. Will you buy me a pint of beer? Don't buy me a pint of advice. That's what happens. That's what happens to John Bunyan. So he thought, I'll write a book. And it's really interesting. I don't know whether he wrote it from prison, but it's interesting. And he, he wrote this. I need my glasses, sorry. You've all know Pilgrim's Progress, don't you? So a bit strange sermon this morning, isn't it? He said this, Thou mayest do in all this as it is in thy heart. If it is in thy heart to fly, fly. If it's in thy heart to stand, stand. 
anything but deny the truth. He that flies has a warrant to do so. He that stands has a warrant to do so. Yea, the same man... Oh, sorry, you should have put the tape back on. But I forget it now. Yea, the same man may both fly and stand as the call of the working of God with his heart. Moses, in Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, fled. Moses stood in Hebrews eleven twenty-seven. David, in 1 Samuel nineteen twelve fled. David, in 1 Samuel 24, 9, stood. Jeremiah 37, 11 to 12, fled. Jeremiah 38 to 17, stood. Christ withdrew himself. Luke 19, Christ stood. John 18, Paul fled. 2 Corinthians 11:33. Paul stood. Acts 20, 22 to 23. There are no rules. He went on and he said, the man himself is, his be- is best able to judge concerning his present strength. What his, his weight is, and what his argument is to stand and to fly. Don't fly out of slavish fear, but fly because it is an ordinance of God. Opening the door for escape for some, which is a door opened by providence and escape um, countenance by God's word. Paul's point, his point, is this. Sometimes there is no right answer there's no right answer. There just isn't. But having said that, when there's no right answer, here's this wonderful work of the Spirit that says, I will help. I will come. I will come. When, the, when there's the big questions, the big things, I, I will come. Isn't that wonderful? You are not abandoned. I will come. And he, in writing those things, said, look, there's no right or wrong with what I did. But the Spirit helped my family and me. And and I just want to say to some of you that I've talked about, my feeble answer to you is that I know the Spirit will help you. I don't know how, but it will. Let me close by, I've got five, but I want to do eight if I can. I'll do them short. Things that I've tried to summarize this passage with. You can switch it on if you want to. Oh, it is on. Okay, sorry. Number, oh, no, it says that one, doesn't it? Oh, that's John Bunyan, look. There he is, there he is. Sorry. See? He was going to be more successful because he's better looking. One. Here's the things that, that I, I think, and I, I don't know, this is just me. This is not a theological expose or anything like this. Number one, be encouraged. You are not always expected to know the will of God. <laughs> You're just not. And... and uh, don't add your burdens to the worry that you don't know. All the burdens of a mobile phone. Oh. 
It's interesting that people of a certain age, may I say this respectfully, always have that mobile tune. I don't know. You don't know where to change it. Yeah. Could somebody that's young go and put the stone roses on Mac and Peter's mobile? But can you understand that? You, you, there are some things that you don't need to know and won't ever know the will of God on it. Brian and Elizabeth. We just won't know the will of God. That's why we need the Spirit's help. Uh, and sometimes our burdens is that we don't know. What is, what is God teaching me in this? And you get sort of all, oh. You know, sometimes you don't know. It's living with the futility of the world. Secondly, be encouraged that your perplexity and your groaning are not being watched, they are being understood in heaven. Thirdly, be encouraged that God's work for you is not limited to what you understand. Do you understand that? It's, it's sometimes, you know, you think, well, I can't understand this. No, but he does. <laughs> We've got a limited mind. Four, be encouraged that the Spirit is praying for you, that you're not alone. Five, be encouraged that the Father hears the prayers of the Spirit. Six, sorry, Dorothy, six, to the Bible. I'll be with you in a minute. Where is Romans? It's to, thank you. <laughs> I knew Brian, you were always a help to me. Right from the very beginning. <laughs> can you can you I want you to hear this? Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you by the power of the holy by the power of the holy spirit that you may abound in hope i want to add something to that whatever happens whatever you're going through so there is something from the the work of the spirit where you can get joy and peace and you can believe and have hope Whatever happens, it's a work of the Spirit. Okay. Uh, where's James then, uh, uh, Brian? Oh, I'm okay. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I don't know how to say this to you guys, but and to myself I need to say this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet ch- trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produced steadfastness. <laughs> I, I, think we, I think we have to just think differently. Can I commend Denzel and Dorothy and Brian and Elizabeth to you? They think differently than this weak pastor. They do. They think differently. They think biblically. Uh, where am I? 
8. 2 Corinthians. It's not really a sermon, this is it? 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to address you now, if I may. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of the mercies and God of all comfort, for who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort which he ourselves are comforted. We need each other, guys. We mustn't just build church. We must build family. We must be a family. We have something to say on that issue at the church meeting. Something to say. We want to make some changes. We want to talk to you about that if we can. We need each other. (coughs) Sometimes, you know, you don't have to give an answer, but you do have to be there. And I want you to look around and ask yourself a question. You know, will I, can I be there for my friends? Can I stop calling it Gateway Church Wrexham? Can I start calling it my family? We need each other. That's all that I've got to say uh, on it. Uh, I just feel that, it's a lively one, Phil. I've got at the bottom here, I'd like to pray for those feeling weak and having big questions, but I fear that might be all of us. And, and that sort of stuff. But can we not give up, Phil? Is that the, is that the, what, do you have an idea? Should we not give up? I never give up. I, I, what, is it, I, what you, I don't know what the song is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amen. <laughs> Strange sermon, but there you go. 